Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? He's coming! All right, all right, settle down. Now, before I begin the podcast, will those of you who pick the next episode move your segment ideas down onto the lower peg immediately after lunch before you write your current genre rating? If it's not a Patreon episode, unless you've got a Patreon episode that is recorded this weekend as the guest of another podcast, in which case, collect their segment ideas before lunch, put it in your letter you've had your current genre ratings, and make sure they move your segment ideas down onto the lower peg for you. Now. Sir. Yes, Drew? I'm guest hosting on everything I learned from movies this weekend, sir, but it's not a Patreon episode, sir. <laughs> so, do I move my segment down, or... I do wish you'd listen, Drew. It's perfectly simple. If it's not a Patreon episode, you don't have to move their segment ideas down to lower peg. You simply collect their segment ideas after you've done your ratings prep when you've chosen the next genre. Before rest, move your own segment ideas onto the lower peg, interact with the fans on Twitter, and report to Mr. Viney that you've had your chit sign. Now, episode, episode, episode. Where were we? <laughs> Well, had I gotten as far as the hand entering the Bilbo grab baggins? No, no, sir. No, sir. Well, had I done the podcasting juices? Um, uh, yes, sir. Ah, well, as we all know all about podcasting juices, no doubt you can tell me what the purpose of podcast play is. Um, don't know. Sorry, sir. Nathan? Uh, was it choosing the genres? Sir? Well, and? And after that? Uh, oh, uh, putting them in the lower peg, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the purpose of podcast play is to cause the imagination to lubricate so that the entertainment can penetrate more easily. Could we have the window open, please, sir? Yes, Drew, will you? And, of course, to cause the man's ideas to erect and harden. <laughs> now, did I do the British movie genre last week? <laughs> oh, do pay attention, Drew. I know it's Friday after- Oh, going on a tangent off the current movie, are you, boy? Right. Move over there. I'm warning you. I may decide to set an exam this episode. No, sir. So oh. just listen. Now, did I or did I not do British movie genre? Mm -hmm. mm. Sir, yes, 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 sir. Name two ways of getting them flowing, Nathan. Uh, watching Snap, sir. What's wrong with actually, boy? Hmm? Why not start them off with a nice romantic comedy? You don't have to go leaping for the snatch like a bull at the gate. Give them love actually, boy. Hot fuzz, sir. Good, good. Well done, Drew. Uh, the full Monty, sir. Yes, yes, I suppose so, hmm? Oh, uh, sir, James Bond. Yes, good. Goldeneye the Casino Royale, uh, Pet the Pink Panther, and so on and so forth. So we have all these possibilities before we stampede towards the snatch, Nathan. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. <laughs> Now, all these forms of entertainment can now take place, and, of course, tonguing will give you the best idea how the octopussy is coming along. British movie genre. Now, Monty and the Python, that is to say, the meaning of life up to and including Crimson Permanent Assurance. Ah, oh, hello, dear. Do stand up when my genre choice enters the room, Drew. Oh, sorry, sir. <laughs> if you find this so funny, then you won't mind being selected for the sports podcast this afternoon. Oh, no, sir! <laughs> <laughs> oh. That might be the most entertaining intro ever. <laughs> it's intense, but I love it. Well, I hope it turns out well. Well, everyone, welcome to the Real Feels podcast. This is host Jack. Uh, we bring you a different movie of a different genre, a fortnightly. Fortnightly. And uh, tonight's wonderful movie is the British movie genre, and my choice is the 1983's Monty Python, The Meaning of Life. Tired of questioning your own existence? What 
much happening at the moment, is there? Now, in a special limited offer... Don't stand there, Corbin! Oh, you've never seen the undercut before! The meaning of life can be yours. Yes, it's all here. In a new, unabridged translation by Monty Python. I mean, what's it all about? Philosophy! Oh, that sounds wonderful. Is that a sport? No, it's more of an attempt to uh, construct a viable hypothesis to uh, explain the meaning of life. Including why you were born. And what are you doing this morning? It's a birth. Wonderful what you can do nowadays. What do I do? Nothing, dear. You're not qualified. Why things don't always work out. The mill's closed. We're destitute. I've got no option but to sell you all for scientific experiments. What dreams mean. Wouldn't you like to know? Makes you sick, doesn't it? Why people who don't speak your language want to hurt you. Why you like sex. Sex, sex, sex. Where were we? How to talk to waiters. Ah, good afternoon, sir, and how are we today? Better. Better? Better get a bucket or a throw up. Where diseases come from. Hello, uh, can we have your liver? What? You know, it's, uh, it's reddish brown, it's sort of, uh... Yeah, yeah, I know what it is, but I'm using it. And why we've all got to go sometime. This, this is Mr. Death. The Grim Reaper. Well, that's cast rather a gloom over the evening, hasn't it? They haven't said much about the meaning of life so far, have they? Don't let the meaning of life Why are we pass you by. You ever wanted to know what it's all about? No. Is God really real? Let Monty Python explain it all for you. In the film that proves once and for all that there is death after life. Shall we take our cars? Why not? Yes, why not? The meaning of life. Is there heaven and hell? Do we reincarnate? Mm. What'd you boys think? Um, not a robust film, but definitely is the uh, enough plates to you know, like a um, a fine dining where you're like, okay, I, I don't get a whole lot, but. Enough to sample. So Monty Python, I mean, in The Meaning for Life is definitely, as Nathan had put it, kind of like a tasting menu. I mean, it is, everyone gets a little bit of everything. It's very discombobulated in some sense where there is no technical uh, theme to try and tie it together, or at least it doesn't, uh, you know, seem to be. But it's it's very enjoyable. It's a fun film. And I mean, as appropriate as it is incredibly british well it's got a little bit of something for everybody i think uh it's not a movie like you guys are saying in the traditional sense it's more just like a series of very very loosely if if not unconnected at all uh vignettes um and some of them are well done. Some of them I could, you could take or leave, honestly. But is this something we need? Is this a movie that we feel good about? I adore this movie. I think it's just as quotable as any of the other Monte Python movies. Um, and it just it hits me right in the feels because I remember watching this with a group of guys at like you know sixth or seventh grade and we just thought it was the best thing ever it's definitely one of the films that i mean for it to be the last movie that they did together and for one of the films that actually had financial backing to it and then to make the least amount of money i mean it is kind of disconcerting to see the outcome of it but i I don't think it i don't think that takes away anything from the substance of the film at all as you said like it's very quotable i think it's incredibly enjoyable and there are very much memorable scenes it's amazing how many parts are parodied in things like family guy or south park or it just i mean very much so simpsons you name it they take from this a lot yeah it you know, it, I I love how it starts off with crimson, the crimson permanent assurance. Uh, I think that's 
I could have had an entire movie just dealing with that. The imagination that went behind it. Terry Gilliam just kept on expanding it and expanding it and expanding it because nobody told him to stop. And they ended up with a 35-minute cut. They had to knock it down to 16. <laughs> it's it's a fun, clever outcome. I mean, just from the idea of like, you know, I mean, even the song to say like, it's it's fun to sail on the accountancy and them going in and going like, get the weapons. And I love the fact that they break apart the ceiling fan to make swords and, and that the hat stand and yes. you know, the, the little uh paper spikes um and it's it's just so british like you you and you into the rigging <laughs> you hoist the main mess and you put the kettle on put the kettle on and the filing cabinets become uh, cannons the filing cabinet fulisade or fusillade uh when they pull up into like the manhattan-esque financial district I yeah. fucking love it every single time. And when it looks like one of the, you know, the a corporate American fat cats is about to take out one of the old Englishmen, like he catches one of the filing cabinets and you see the people in right. Crimson Permanent Insurance. She's like, yes! <laughs> I love the fact that it's, um, it's, it's older people too. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not, it's, it's nice not young. It is the oldies beating them up. Right. It, I mean, this is the established, you know, people, the established workers and it's kind of the idea that it is saying kind of a message that, I mean, screw all you youngins. Like, we know this business. We built this business. We're still as good. And you're not going to take anything over. And oh, Drew, uh, did you notice any familiar faces in the uh, corporate boardroom? I noticed. Um, I can't think of his name. His name is Matt Freewer. And uh, he was the dad next door on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And he was also the yes. uh, phony time traveler from the iconic uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode. Exactly. Is That's that a, the face I knew. Is it Zelensky, give it a rest. Zelensky. It's Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Saturday. And he's trying to flick the fly fish hook off his feet. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's the face. I Thank you, Jack. That's the exact face that I recognized. But I, I really enjoy just like the little old English building sort of sailing through the, the shark's den of, you know, financial America. And then I, I think it dovetailed nicely into the start of the movie. Uh, and we've got birth and the the birthing scene. It's got so many great lines. The fetus frightening room. <laughs> The doctors are just sort of barely competent, and the the simpering obsequiousness of John Cleese when the administrator so shows Cleese up, it gets like me every time. The man, <laughs> he he does so good in this. Oh, I mean, him like looking around, going like, "Got everything? Mm, yes, gloves. We got the more machine apparatuses. <laughs> more apparatuses. The the machine go, that goes bring. Like, what are we missing? What are we missing? Ah, patient." <laughs> and when, when they pull the baby out and Graham Chapman hits it with the meat the the, the umbilical cord with the meat cleaver yes. and then the and the rough towels and, and then they sort of like just that's shake it towards the mother and it's like do you, you see it? Alright, that's enough. And they throw it. And after birth, uh, it's normal to have uh, severe depression, PND, so it's lots of happy pills for you. Don't worry, you'll see all about the birth. It's on VHS Betamax. I, I do love, it's like, is it a boy or a girl? And it's like, oh, I think it's a bit early to be putting labels on it. <laughs> and that's, that's a very interesting little part right there. That's And uh, what's going on here? A birth, sir. What's that? Well, it's when we take a baby out of the mommy's tummy. Oh. Very good. I see you've got the machine that goes bing. It's like, ah, marvelous things we can do today. <laughs> the most expensive <laughs> machine in this whole hospital. <laughs> and then it dovetails back into the uh, the uh, <laughs> the miracle of birth part to the third world. And it just goes to Yorkshire. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, the Roman Catholics. <laughs> oh, my God. That is one of the standout scenes of the movie. Uh, Terry Jones spent the majority of the budget on that because again like uh crimson they, permanent shirts and, and uh that that scene nobody told him not to he just right, kept on going with he it. just kept going with it and like he didn't they didn't find out until later that he had spent most of the budget on you know every sperm is sacred <laughs> which i wonder by doing that by spending most of the budget on this do you think that some of the other scenes kind of took the brunt of lack of budget i mean 
I don't necessarily think so. I mean, if you go to like the Mr. Creosote scene, I mean, that doesn't look like anything was left out. Um, and everything else. Christmas it, in heaven seemed like it was still well done. Yeah. Uh, and but I mean, there are some weak scenes in it. There, there yeah. are, there are, but I mean, with, with every sperm and sacred, I think it's absolutely hilarious. It's definitely has a height of social commentary towards, you know, the religious nature and the religious topic of the world. But I, I absolutely love that it was noted that none of the kids knew what they were singing about. <laughs> but could, couldn't you have just had it pulled off in an accident? <laughs> couldn't you have your balls chopped off? Oh, no. I'm, I'm afraid it's scientific <laughs> experimentation for the lot of you. We're destitute. <laughs> but this song, it, it's it's really well written and really well done. Um, but then when it goes into the next part of the growing and learning, the sex education part, I think that's where the real laughs, I mean, just like beyond mount they just keep coming and coming and coming and it's just you can't stop well it keeps on going like when he folds down the bed and his wife enters and they both begin disrobing like it just it keeps on trying to top itself like i die every time when he's mounted his wife and he's beginning to pump away he's still yelling at the pupils like what is that it's an ocarina, sir. He comes up and tries to hand it to him. No, 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 put it on the desk. <laughs> I, I love the subtlety of they shouldn't be, like, shocked or even, like, have an awkward notion that, you know, our professor is now having sex in front of us and has disrobed and his wife has taken off her bra and, you know, her breasts are clearly exposed. That this is just, like, a natural occasion in the class. I, I love the humor in it but then after i mean because of this they have to fight the 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 larger students the uh <laughs> the boys the team. masters this afternoon <laughs> and so oh this is, sir <laughs> this is really well portrayed in uh south park where stan has to coach the peewee like hockey team and they have to play team usa and they just get these little tiny you know Four-year-olds just get pummeled by grown men. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and back to every sperm is sacred. I love the stuffy Protestant across the street telling, you know, uh, really talking down about the, you know, the Catholics and you know how they didn't make the great leap out of the Middle Ages, but and how he could go down to Harry's and and get a condom or a French <laughs> tickler for his John Thomas, <laughs> but he's only had sex with his wife twice. <laughs> Oh, really? They need to have a child every time they have sex. But we've only had sex twice, and we have two kids. Could could we do that now? No, that's not the point. (laughs) I can go get a French tickler. Oh, my. Do you have one? (laughs) And the kids are singing so well, and... (laughs) I love that. Oh, it's great. The the sad the sad downtrodden like background continuation of the song "Every Spring Is Sacred," right? As they're just filing out of the house. I mean, watching watching like how many kids? I mean, I know it's such a hyperbole towards the idea of like this is how many children they have, but like looking at this scene, all I can just recall back is going like this is like a parody, like a spoof on you know, 19 kids and counting, and just going like, Jesus Christ. Well, I laugh my <laughs> ass off every single time when the stork drops the baby, and then you just see the ankles of the mother, and the the knickers just sort of come down on their own, and the baby plops out onto the kitchen floor. you get that one for me? <laughs> I know the mother, she's like, can you get that for me? <laughs> like, like, it happens every day. <laughs> <laughs> now the world war one this is where i think that the the gas from those two great scenes starts to kind of run out real quick yeah i would agree with that but that is it's so fucking british that makes though. sense that makes sense like I, they I, all I got agree. him besides the cake like they all got him timepieces and they keep on keep on apologizing to the the captain like they got him the 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 nice glass clock and then the grandfather clock and then the 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 swiss watch like it's it's just the driest fucking humor this beginning part is probably the you know the first like step down not as much as it does when it gets to like the zulus and stuff like that because i think that's where it really starts (laughs) for me not being as good but 
But them getting well, the I mean, most even gifts. even with the idea of like everyone dying during you know the war scene and you know presenting all the different presents and going like, oh, you need to respect and be more courteous, sir. He was out there taking his rations. You tried to the get lemons. melted butter to melt at negative fifteen <laughs> degrees, sir. Right. It's like, all right, fine. Let's get five plates. Pew, four plates. <laughs> he saved his rations for six weeks. Chopping the nuts and mixing the almonds. I I thought it was very, very funny. It was also a really good transition from the previous scene. Yeah, and uh, the the, uh, Sergeant Major and his little scheme of marching up and down the square, it's very short, but I don't know, it's... (laughs) Like, that's a, a line or a scene that's been reenacted between my friends ad nauseum since we were in high, middle school, really. It's a good, like, juxtaposition to try and think of another, you know, famous scene from, like, Full Metal yeah. Jacket, where you have, I can't think of the guy's name, but, like, when he's getting up in the soldier's faces and yelling at him, and it's all like, I will shit down your neck, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, it's it's completely opposite. It was all like, all right! Then rather be at the, now. Rather be at the pictures. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. Right, go then. Go. Oh, okay. So <laughs> this this is the part where when after like this little clip, this almost had a hint of. Uh, I think it's. Have you guys ever seen the movie? I think it's called Forty Seven. No. No. What's it about? A bunch of small clips with a bunch of different actors from. Harrison Ford to Halle Berry. I mean, you name it. There's a lot of different actors and actresses in it. So it's little vignettes? Yes. And very unequal to this movie. Not as good. But but I don't know. Just like that shortness of a, fi- of a, a sequence. I was kind of like, oh, so... This is what 47 probably tried to imitate. Well, and, you know, John Cleese even said after the fact that this movie was a bit of a cock up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I knew I wanted to pick Monty Python, but, you know, doing the the Holy Grail is a a bit on the nose. And uh, the life of Brian for me, while good, I I can't, I can take some, some religious uh, satire and parody, but I can't take an entire movie of it Mm. uh but i love the flying circus and this just seems like a full-length feature of the flying circus it's just these loosely connected you know little plots some of them are great some of them are shit honestly but what did you think of the tiger leg zulu war um so this is not my (laughs) this is not my favorite one by far there's there's some really good laughs in it but again it there's a a lot of parts from just kind of like all right i i get it like on to, go back to the go back to the everyone sperm is sacred song like you know <laughs> <laughs> go back to the professor like there's just times where you want more of what they've already done which again they they come off really really strong in the beginning like the the beginning of this movie i think i was like whoa all right and then it slowly kind of started stepping down stepping down again this is not the bottom for this movie i don't think but it's i was like okay like there's there's blasts to be found and then there's some dry spells i would agree with that i would agree with that um what did you guys think of the uh live organ donation oh the live the live organ donation i found to be really really funny because while watching it my mind immediately jumped to you know, something to compare it to, something that's a little bit more modern. And it's like I'm watching Repo Men with Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker. And, you know, they immediately, they go and they get people that are past due on their payments for getting new organs, or they violated a contract somehow, so they have to repossess the organs. It's it's a funny, funny scene. I, I mean, it, it does it does prolong the idea that he is suffering that much while they are just digging through his guts, which all he all he comes in and says, like, he's tried to reach for his liver to, like, put it back in. At one point. <laughs> I mean, he's comes in, he's go to the door. It's like, uh, can we have your liver? And it's like, what? Your liver. Can we have it? And I mean, despite the fact that he is only going for the liver, he's pulling out. A lot. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> and the blood most is unne- going most unnecessary everywhere. Thing ever. 
And I mean, and like I said, I had texted you, Jack, and I said, while watching that scene, John Cleese, you bear a striking resemblance to John Cleese in that scene. So watching that scene, that's not a that's not a stab. No, I'm I'm agreeing with you. That's that's I mean, I mean, if you look at John Cleese's like rugged, kind of like a little bit of five o'clock shadow beard, watching that scene, I'm just like, oh my god, Jack is John Cleese. Just buttering up a, a middle-aged housewife. So uh <laughs> I can get her to listen to this song by the conveniently placed Eric Idle and uh, agree to give me her liver. Do you think that the Galaxy song, though, okay, I mean, obviously, if you compare it next to every, you know, every sperm is uh, sacred. Yeah, or even the Crimson Permanent Assurance, like, high C song. It's, it doesn't seem to go anywhere, but I do like the song. I like the song a lot. I love the fact that Eric Idle is in this bright pink outfit, which he hadn't even intended to wear something because he doesn't he doesn't speak any lines in that entire scene. It's all him just singing. And even in an interview that Eric Idle gave, he's like, the universe song is my favorite song. This is my favorite scene that I do, you know, early singing in the whole film. And, and I think even though the song might be weak, the visuals of right, the galaxy true. and, you know, the graphics and, uh, you know, the, the voluptuous celestial woman getting, you know, suddenly, you know, impregnated with spacey goodness. It, it is it is good stuff in my mind. We kind of skipped over the middle of the film, which the the last part of the Zulu war where they were t- the, the front and well, back no, end of the tiger. The, uh, the part with- A tiger? A t- in <laughs> no, Africa? The, um, the middle of the film. Did you... So they actually, they had 150 uh, African-Americans or, you know, uh, or sorry, Africans to do that scene. They all dis- they all said no. They said no, that they were not going to dress up as Zulu warriors because they found it degrading and they quit. They had to get 100 white folk and paint Ooh. them up. Oh, God. This, that. Did you not I know that? I didn't realize that. So that's, <laughs> no, that's Terry that. Jones in it's an interview of, on, a, on a television news program. They're like, we had to, we had to paint them up. Now, whether or not he's joking on live television or he's not, but that, that was his statement on a news, on a news program. They had to uh, paint up a hundred white folk to look like Zulu warriors for that entire scene. And so, Nathan, were you referring instead to and it did go? Where did it go? Wherever I this is where I thought it was go. an acid trip because I had no clue what was going on. You mean the elephant butler shuffling in and and the faucets on the nipples? Like, yeah, there's a there's a lot to this to unpack. But looking at that entire outfit, it just took me back to like my Rocky horror days. And I mean, the, the outfit didn't bother me at all. It didn't seem too weird, but the, the scene in its entirety, as you said, like it seemed like an acid trip. It seemed the most disconjointed from an- and, and the, the elephant costume was a <laughs> leftover from a uh, time bandit. That makes sense. There you go. Oh gosh. I think you're, you are right. Yeah. Oh, but again, you know, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's really weird. Of course, they have the only openly gay uh, cast member, Grab Chapman, as the, you know, the non-binary, yeah. uh, you know, dominatrix almost. But again, for me, it's bizarre. It's weird. But if if I'm sitting around playing cards or camping with some of my guys back home, some of the groomsmen that are going to be in the wedding, if anybody mentions fish... <laughs> then the entire circle is just now suddenly going, and it did go wherever I, I did go. A fish, a fish, a woo. Oh. And it, it, again, it dovetails nicely into the next scene, which is one of the most iconic of the movie, Mr. Creosote. Oh, God. Jack, you don't know how much I want to dress up as Mr. Creosote for your wedding. <laughs> You don't. If, if you do it, then Nathan gets to go as uh, Eric Idle, and I'll do uh, John Cleese with the, uh, the you know, like the cut off sleeves Mr. underneath. Creosa, though, almost makes like there's times that like I found my my own stomach kind of churning. I was like, ooh, this is a this is rough. It it can be it can be hard to watch sometimes. I mean, I oh god, and it's meant to because it's driven a posh British woman to say that the reason that they have to get going is she has rather a heavy period. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's comedy I gold. Don't, I don't want to be bleeding on the seats. 
I I mean, for, okay. I used I used to date someone who had a, a, a like a really like interesting thing about like vomit. Okay, she she couldn't hear someone vomit. She couldn't. Like, you know, someone couldn't reenact vomiting if she saw... So she wouldn't have been able to make through that No, not at all. So if she saw anyone, like, even mildly, you know, vomiting in a movie or a TV show, like, she would have to turn away. She couldn't listen. I mean, it would make her have a gag reflex and almost want to vomit. And and for the longest time, I was like, okay, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Watching this scene now for, like, a third, maybe, like, a fourth time in my entire life, I get it. There are parts like where you watch so much, like it's it's cringy, and you're just kind of like, okay, enough, enough of that. But the vomit is coming out at such high volume well, and high pressure, is. and you can see at some of the some of the times that he bends over, you can see yeah. like the vomit tube coming, <laughs> sort of extending from behind his neck. Oh yeah, um, nine hundred uh, gallons, nine hundred gallons of vomit was used for that entire scene. Garçon, a bucket for Monsieur. <laughs> a bucket. I just love. I love the intro walking in. You're like, and how is Monsieur? Better, better, better. Get a bucket. I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to use do the usual six crates of, of brown ale. Oh, Monsieur, I trust you were not overdoing it last night. Shut up. Even before that, the French, um, the restaurant singer that sings about his penis, the penis, is yeah. so. Isn't it awfully nice to have, to have a penis? <laughs> Isn't it frightfully good to have a dog? It's divine donor Willie. It's divine donor Prick. From the tiniest little tadger to the world's biggest prick. So three cheers for you, Willie or John Thomas. Hooray for your one-eyed trouser snake. Your piece of pork, your wife's best friend, your pussy or your cock. You can wrap it up in ribbons. You can slip it in a sock. But don't take it out in public or they'll put you in the dock. And you won't. I'll come. I'm back over Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack has watched this one too many times, but I love it. <laughs> no, it's, again, it's such the randomosity towards the humor. Even for him to just jump in, sing a song about penises, and it's still entertaining. Yeah, the, the posh crowd is like, oh. They're like, oh, delightful. Oh, it's true. Delightful. It's true. Delightful. You have a penis. Yes. Delightful. But I okay. So after the vomiting, I do love that the uh, the two like they're just sitting there, just having a smoke, talking about the meaning of life while they're cleaning up all this. Vomit. Oh, but sir, it's wafer thin. It's a wafer thin. <laughs> Eggs on the top. I don't skip on the top. Oh, monsieur, never. I would never dream of giving. In fact, I will make sure you get double portions. <laughs> Apparently, this is. Would you like it all mixed up in a bucket? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, this is the only scene that uh, Quentin Tarantino finds troubling to watch in any movie. Well, when he explodes, like, the the practical effects for that. And I just love, like, the buckets of vomit that are thrown on the various tables. They used a catapult to oh launch... Vo- <laughs> they used a catapult to launch vomit, what is it, uh, 30 yards onto the extras with the cheapest costumes. And even even some of the extras that are in the scenes were so nauseous from the smell and the and like everything that was happening around them. Some of them are actually vomiting for real during that take. So does that does that remind you guys of uh, Ernest goes to camp? <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey. <laughs> didn't they have like the machine that they would feed food that yes, would like it w- they shoot vomit? What was the name of that machine? I can't think of the name of the machine, but like they would throw random shit into it and it would pop out Whatever was going to be the special of the day. God, I love the Ernest movies and I can't think of the name. But, you know, you're right. You're right. And they did use it towards the end when they were fighting the construction workers to uh, save the Indian land, save the camp. (laughs) That's right. Eggs Erroneous. Yes, Eggs Erroneous was one of the specials. (laughs) Come on, Bobby. Let's go, Bobby. (laughs) But so what did you think then of the, uh, you know, Eric Idle? Uh, the garçon taking you back to his family home. It took a while, but I think the payoff was him kind of having this, oh, fine, you don't like my honest and, like, transparent story about how, like, I followed my dreams to bring people happiness and be a waiter? Like, fuck you. I'm gonna go home now. I'm gonna say hi to my mom. She doesn't respect me, but I'm gonna say hi. I thought it was one of the more touching parts of the movie, which right, it was honest. there aren't a lot. Yes, it was honest, it was transparent, I, and 
even though, you know, following and kind of like abusing the cameraman to like, you know, trail through the city and then go through the park and then eventually come to this little, you know, humble little home. It did have a nice payoff with the final story. Like you're you're kind of like, what are we? Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I was going to say like. You 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 follow him the entire time. It does take it does take a while, but then you're right, Jack. Like it is so honest and it's touching. Where he's he's kind of just sitting down with you, going like, "Look where I came from, and this is this is who I am, and this is what I decided to do with my life." Like I could have gone on to do amazing and brilliant things, but I wanted to bring people happiness and help them. And then it's kind of like, "Oh, that's not that's not what you think this is." Screw you. Who are you to like judge me? Big whoop. Want to fight about it? <laughs> Patio Tanager, Caddyshack Badger, Big Whoop. What a fight about. Yeah, what? It's all rides. Now, the last scene that he gets into is death, which do you. Well, before oh. before death, don't they have uh, conversations at dinner? I think we could safely gloss over that one. But, Drew, if you have thoughts on it, please I, I go mean, ahead. I don't really have, like, much thoughts on it. I do, I do love Eric. I, it, there's something about Eric Idle dressed as a woman that just. I don't know. It just, it's funny for him to be in those characters. I do love him. He's like, does ne- like, is Nietzsche a philosopher? Yes. Oh, it does have an S. <laughs> I, I found it to be funny. I do love also the comparison of like a enjoyable, like Hawaiian theme in like a room of death and torture. I, I think it brings out like the, the idea that we, even when you're out to dinner with something that's supposed to be nice and it's supposed to have this awkwardness of it's it's very much like social commentary of like if you can't continue a conversation, then it's going to become stagnant. It's going to become stale. Like what's this, you know, traumatizing like awkwardness of silence where like a conversation can't continue. I thought that was so, sort of one of the weakest parts of the movie. Oh, by far. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's. Yeah, you know well they, it's almost like they try and bring up like a little bit of like philosophy to like kind of like name drop some people and meh. well i i think again i think it's kind of like grasping at straws to go along with the ideas of well if this is going to be the meaning of life i mean who else better than to discuss the meaning of life life than philosophers that's true and it does harken back to uh one of the flying circus uh sketches where they had a bunch of philosophers uh playing i think rugby against each other but you know what getting chased off a cliff by a bunch of topless women in sports what? here is um pretty good way to die that's that's pretty awesome you sure you sure the salmon moose isn't the best way to go yeah i'll take the topless women chase me off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> salmon moose just sounds absolutely disgusting but <laughs> It just looked like everything had been put into, like, a, I mean, obviously it had been put into a mold. Like, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out, like, what they mixed it with to make it a moose. I mean. Why salmon, of all what? things? And, and canned, canned salmon. <laughs> Insult injury. That's just like how he tries to shoot him, and then uh, before that he's like, now see here, you're a guest. Well, I, I honestly think this whole scene with, like, they're trying to, to welcome death and they're trying to, you know, be accommodating hosts and ask some questions and then death just gets so upset. It It's almost like the different steps towards, like, grief are being taken place in Ooh. that moment when death is arriving because they're trying to, like, barter with death. They're trying to, you know, accept it. They're getting angry. They're questioning. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of funny how, I mean, how he has to, like, you know, jump in and say, stop talking, stop, I am death. I I just love how the skeletal hand of death, when they ask him what it caused, like how it's upturned, and then it just slowly, like, finger extends, and then alley oops over to the salmon moose. Right. It's just great. It's just a great little scene. (laughs) Um, that brings us to heaven. Um, I'd be okay with with some of that version of heaven. How about you? Yeah, Nate? yeah, I like the um, I do like the that it's a restaurant. I, I like to think that heaven will have a lot of good food. <laughs> I was more talking about the uh, dozens of 
topless women uh, <laughs> during the Christmas in Heaven scene. Yes, that is, that is amazing as well. Um, food and women, there you go. Uh, but I thought the it was nice that they did try to bring everything back together. You had some of the red coats. Exactly. You had some of the 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 children from every sperm is sacred that must have perished in their, <laughs> and their scientific, their scientific experiments. experiments. <laughs> no, but I love I, when things like this, when like it kind of it all comes together, or like when you see, like I really like that when they just have a little bit of you and you and you all together. Right, and I and I do like as you said, like the representation of heaven is a restaurant because. I mean, it's it's supposed to be like a comfortable thing. Um, one of the most like universal aspects of like people coming together is to sit down and enjoy a meal. And I mean, what better way to like open up conversations about like anything than sitting around by food? Or if you even don't want to talk, then you can stuff your face with food. I mean, it's I think it's a I think it's a very apt kind of way of looking at it. And, always well, and I, I think they're also lampooning the very idea of what heaven is supposed to be. Like, you know, heaven is you you have this wonderful, you know, like supper club and it's Christmas every in heaven day. every day. Like that would get kinda old after a while, don't you think? Possibly. I mean, I do I do enjoy again it's supposed to be like perfect. Okay, this this notion of like what heaven is supposed to be and everyone is, you know, kind of dressed up or at least, you know, most of the people are like dressed up. They're ready to go out. They're mingling with people that they know. But to have this idea that everything is going to have, you know, song and dance to it as well. I don't know. As you said, like, I think it could get old, especially if it's supposed to be like an eternity and it's the same song being sung, which I don't really I don't like the song like uh it's Christmas in heaven. I didn't like that. I no, think that might no, was no. my least favorite. The only song. thing I liked about it was how they were lampooning sort of like the uh, Robert Goulet <laughs> style, <laughs> like Goulet. Las Vegas yeah. lounge singer. But my, I, I, I think even though, like Nathan said, it got weak towards the middle and the end. I just love how they spend an entire two hours trying to explain the meaning of life and uh really at the end of it uh it's summed down to a it's like uh, you just know, one it's like one be, paragraph yeah like, well it's nothing very special <laughs> try and be nice to people avoid eating fat read a good book every now and again get some walk in and try to live together in peace and harmony with people of all the creeds and nations honestly that has got to be the the mint at the end of the meal that just palate cleanses and you're like that was all worth it i am so glad that oh, i ate it waffer thin, waffer waffer thin. Waffer thin. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh one of the other little things that i liked uh, and then i i thought was sort of a, a beautiful little part was the uh the cleaning woman who's cleaning up the vomit oh, uh, one of the the guys in drag that's actually a poem that she's saying about how you know how she's been to you know, the Library of Congress and the British National Museum, and it didn't teach her nothing. And I just think that's just really biting sarcasm. Speaking of poem, when they actually sent over the quote unquote script to Universal, they actually didn't send a script. Eric Idle only sent a poem as a summary of the movie in order to pitch it. They refused to send a script. <laughs> is, is that like uh, the uh, uh, Christopher Nolan Sending uh, Hans Zimmer yeah. uh, his outline for the soundtrack. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's about separate. It's a it's a story between father and son. Go. <laughs> so here's what I was thinking. Well, uh, shall we move on to Jack with a different tone, <laughs> a different key. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm tone deaf. I'm tone deaf. All right, so the first segment, Crimson Permanent Assurance. The meaning of life shotguns a multitude of different and unconnected scenes at its audience. Some are positively brilliant and others downright awful. What was your favorite scene? And conversely, what was your least favorite? So I'll go first, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that the um, my least favorite was the, uh, the Super Inn Hotel slash Hawaiian 
torture meal. It's just, it just doesn't have it. It doesn't have exactly what this film, it tried and it to be like a little bit more than it was, but it just, it didn't hold water like, yeah. yeah. And and I'll agree with you, Nathan, on that. That was also my least favorite. Uh, I I think the last watch through, I just fast forwarded through that one. But what was your my favorite? My favorite has got to be the Roman Catholic. Every sperm is sacred. <laughs> Both times I watched that, I was not only singing along, but just like watching other people, uh, just noticing different things. Everything about it, I'm just like, this is great. I, the dance number that they incorporate <laughs> to it, it's like, so I, good. Drew? I would say the, um, like I had mentioned to you before, I really like almost every scene in this film to an extent. There's something I can always take away and enjoy. I would probably say, though, the uh, find the fish scene is probably just the most, it seems the most disconnected. But it did go. Wherever <laughs> I, but it did, did go. To, as, as for just a scene, taking the scene as is. It's so awkward and just seems so far off, uh, you know, the beaten path that that makes it the least favorite. I did enjoy it because it's just it is so absurd. But if I had to pick one, that was going to be it, man. I mean, as for favorite, I'm going to have to go with Nathan as well. Like every sperm is sacred. It's it's so funny. It's so very, very done well. And even just like the off scene with the Protestants, you know, it's still part of the entirety of the scene, even though it's just trailing off after it. It's it's just great. Jack, what about you? So, you know, I've got to give props to Crimson Permanent Assurance, but the entire from start to end, from the church scene through going to the rugby match for the school scene. I just love it so much. It's just the most biting sarcasm. I love the uh, the the sermon that the headmaster is giving. Uh, I love how at the end of the sermon, he just sort of concludes it by saying, Oh, by the way, Jenkins, apparently your mother died. And they show this poor, sad little kid just sort of looking down towards the, the ground. I love... Um, Michael Palin coming up as like the reverend and doing his, his, uh, his, uh, like, uh, was it him about the, uh, you know, yeah. God, oh, you know, don't baste us in hot fat. Thou and, art you so know, big. <laughs> please, please forgive us for our toadian. And I just, <laughs> then when you get to the headmaster back in the classroom, I just, I absolutely adore that scene. That's, I think, why I picked this movie is. Just so I could talk to you guys and, and the world about, about the <laughs> utter, utter perfection in writing and performance from Monty Python's uh, cast in this. And I think John Gleese's like, face through so many scenes, the way he just holds, I mean, most of them hold it together very well. It's not like a Jimmy Fallon uh, losing it at every line, but just their their faces sell it. They're so... <laughs> oh yeah or they're discussing like how they have dinner plans that night with like the neighbors and how you know they don't really want to do it while they're disrobing and going to fuck <laughs> in front of a class of like 10 year olds <laughs> and when John Cleese says like do you mind if we just take the foreplay as written <laughs> oh of course dear like <laughs> all in the name of science <laughs> it's utter gold alright so uh <laughs> All hail the edgelords. Uh, this was a middle school sleepover blockbuster rental of uh, mine during the 90s. Uh, first time any of my friends and I had seen it, and we thought we'd put one past our parents due to the nudity, violence, and swearing. What was a movie that you saw during that time in your life that your parents would never have allowed you to see, but you were able to see anyway? So, I, I kind of have like a twofold, and... It, Something that I watched at, like, sleepovers, and for some reason, like, I was continued to allow to watch, but I, I think maybe my parents just didn't really, like, pay that much attention, but I know for a fact they would never have allowed it. Like, Billy Madison was definitely a staple along, you know, kind of like the, the, the lines of, like, Tommy Boy. So for, like, a comedy, if you were to look closely at Billy Madison, there's no way. There's no way growing up in, like, a very conservative household as my parents that would never be allowed... But for the idea of how much I love horror, 
my brother and my two cousins, we all like had to sneak and very secretively watch uh, the remake of House on Haunted Hill out at my cousin's house one afternoon. And he had rented it. And he even said, like, okay, I know your parents wouldn't allow you to watch this, so this is our little secret. And he walked away and just let us watch this horror movie. And, you know, stuff like that where growing up, horror was not something that, you know, my my parents, but more so my dad, would advocate. He would never really, like, allow me to watch horror movie. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's kind of, like, why I love horror as my favorite genre now because it was so, you know – it was it was a no no. Was that the one with uh, Jeffrey me? Rush and uh, Chris Kattan? Uh, yeah, and yeah, like they're <laughs> yes. It all comes back to Taydix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the remake of the original Vincent Price. They are they're all in the insane asylum. I'm gonna enjoy this think- cleric. <laughs> <laughs> I I almost think that that movie. If I I could be very very wrong, but I think that was the beginning. Or it might have been the first occurrence of like that really creepy um, fast forward motion of like ghosts head shaking. Yes. You know what I mean? Intro I thi- is so epic. It's so crazy. With the pencils and like, ugh. oh, the, the, pen- the pencils. My favorite scene in that entire movie is when the girl's going through the abandoned like hospital rooms and then there's the operating room and you only see the ghosts operating on a live patient through the camera and then suddenly she looks up and they're not there and she looks back at the screen and it's suddenly they stop and it's just all of them slowly turning towards the camera that is absolutely my favorite scene because that freaked me the fuck out when i was a kid uh mine was in a little bit of a different vein i had a friend in the fifth grade whose parents had a rather laissez-faire attitude towards uh, allowing us to rent anything we wanted from blockbuster so over the course of like a winter break uh not only did we watch all of the friday the 13th movies but we also watched all of the cheech and chong movies (laughs) now cheech and chong for a fifth grade boy like Probably not the best subject material, <laughs> I can do that. but uh, we sure watched the hell out of it. And and honestly, I think we I I'm still burned out. You know, it's 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 like a 30 years later, and I, I don't think I've watched a Cheech and Chong movie since I was in the fifth or sixth grade. <laughs> not many of us have. <laughs> um, mine would be Starship Troopers. Now I remember. You're probably gonna be like, eh, it's, come on, it's not that. I'm doing my part. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to know more? <laughs> I I love Starship Troopers, and I remember the first time watching it with a buddy at his house, and his parents were watching part of it with us. And a lot of times, whenever there's gonna be nudity. Their mom would just say, like, uh, cover your eyes. <laughs> but not like. I was, I was, I was going to say, Nathan, was the, uh, did you have to hit the tracking button for that scene? Because it had been rewound in slow mode so many so, times. So this came from, I came from a house where we watched, uh, Hook. And whenever we would watch Hook, my parents would mute the bat like the four bad words that are in it which is like damn ass and hell like so very different to like we're like there's so many fucking bugs (laughs) (laughs) but it's the pen and i'm just watching this going this is the best thing ever and then there's boobies in it it's it's great Johnny Rico, gotta live. you want to live forever? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that would, all right. Uh, that would be a mashup I would love to see. Oh dear, I've trodden in Monsieur's bucket. Uh, while this movie is just shy of its 40th anniversary, some of its satire remains startlingly relevant. What scene or moment did you find still embodies an aspect regarding the social commentary of our current society? Jack, you go first. All right. You know, watching this during the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, you know, following the news and the press conferences and all that, every time I saw the first Zulu war, it really seemed to embody to me the behavior of the government, the rich, and the elites as the officers. Mm. And the rest of the lower and middle classes sort of out struggling, fighting, and dying while they're really trying... They're they're not really concerned about that. They're more concerned about 
finding the leg that the African tiger had bit off. (laughs) And just completely unconcerned about sort of the crisis in general. Like, he, he, he taps the one guy on the shoulder when they're going off on the tiger hunt. And that's when the body slides off into like little accordion cuts. Yeah. It just would. Do, do you guys agree with that? No, at all? I can see I it. Going? I can see I, it. Yeah. I, I think it just like they're completely unconcerned and, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's just a, a virus. No, I'm afraid it must be a multicellular organ. Uh, ty- Tyrannus horrificus. <laughs> a tiger. <laughs> A tiger <laughs> in, in Africa. Africa? Uh, it, we but found it. <laughs> we all the all the excuses <laughs> that they have for it. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. But uh, cereal boxes. Yeah. 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 There's a bridge. Like, no, no, not yeah, a bridge. They like describe it like, well, we've 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 got like 150 dead. Well, uh, shall I organize a, a party? Oh, do you really think it's the time? Uh, a search party, sir. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I think that this, honestly, it's Mr. Christo. I think that what really stood out was like that Americans, we are just, we're gluttons and we eat and we consume and we want the whole gamut of food. We don't want just uh, the little slip. We don't want the the little wafer thin piece at the end because we're just so, ugh, God, we just gorge. And so... Making it about us and making because obviously I really think that British people are probably think that about us of just like oh well Americans you know <laughs> I mean I will agree Nathan I I did want a ladle full out of Monsieur's uh, uh, bucket with a little bit of the eggs on the top <laughs> I mean you know <laughs> it, it's some good food but just the fact that like we we can't get enough like it's never for like. For us, we're just constantly wanting more and more and more. We want it quicker. And we're always kind of in that complaining. It just felt like that was a very like, hey, this is what what we think about Americans. You guys complain about everything. You're not very happy. You're not very grateful. And you guys just eat like crazy. So, And then we throw up and somebody else has to clean up all of the crap that we... You know, yeah, like, there you go. Boom. <laughs> and, we, and we discuss the rest of the people around <laughs> exactly. us. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I just oh. love it when he's chewing on like the end of the pineapple with the vomit oh, still gosh. dripping off his There's chin. So much of it too. There's so much. <laughs> oh, Drew. Uh, I would have to say it is the scene where you clearly have the American businessmen sitting in their office, and before they even start the meeting, he's all like, "All right, well, there seems to be a little bit of uh, something that we clearly do not own yet." So what do we uh, what do we do about this? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny because as they are as the man is painting everything that is privately owned by this American, you know, like firm, it, it does speak volumes to the idea of like, does America have to like have their hand into everything? Do they have to own everything? Do they have to privatize? And I, I think it kind of goes leaps and bounds to have the ideas of like, well, I mean, not everything has to be ours. Not everything should be ours. And I think it's actually going to come back to kind of the ideas of like, well, what is actually like really important? So I, I think definitely the the business meeting, I think it was a bit of it, it's kind of like an eye opener. You, you look back on on it and you uh, you think retrospectively of how the world is shaping and what has to be like American owned, American made only. And I don't know. I, I to me that kind of like stood out. Yeah, that, that's that's good stuff. That's good stuff. The last segment, uh, choosing the manner of your own execution. One literally cheeky scene involves a convicted felon being chased off a cliff by a team of topless and attractive women. If you were put in his shoes, what scenario would you imagine for yourself in your own execution? Drew, go ahead. Jello pool. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what? Wait, is this going to dovetail into Nathan's Pepsi pool? I don't know, but it's actually going to be a whole pool of, like, literal jello, because I don't think you can swim in it, and I feel like I would sink and drown. So I, I've always I've always had the, you know, idea, like, the fun idea as a kid, like, oh my gosh, what if you actually filled, like, a real pool full of jello? It's like you're going back <laughs> into the womb. <laughs> 
I just picture though, like on beer fest when uh, <laughs> he's like, drinking all the no, beer. no, he's he's thinking of the guy in the beer tank and he's just like trying to it's drink. Like, if I can't like swim out, I, I'm just gonna drink it. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't gonna be the Jello pool. I could almost think of like a clockwork orange scenario where like my eyes are held open and I'm forced to watch like a never ending marathon of, of movies until essentially I probably die just being forced to watch over and over due to lack of sleep. I would do a big seven course meal with all my friends. Each course would be served by a different scantily clad girl. Uh, the girl next door, the exotic girl, the emo goth girl, so on and so forth, so on and so forth. Each of my portions, just my portions of food and drink pairings, would be microdosed with poison. I can have one more night of raucous <laughs> laughter and enlightening conversation before I bid everyone adieu and quietly bugger off in my sleep. Aww. Um, I think that I think that'd be a good. That's one. sincere. I like. Yeah, that. it's very humble and <laughs> it's very Jack. <laughs> Um, <laughs> mine would be burned at the stake. Um, oh God! <laughs> the but the stake would, but the stake would be a Q-tip, a giant, giant Q-tip, <laughs> and a giant gladiator Ross Perot Q-tip. Please tell me that, like, before they tie you to the stake, like some Vestal virgins, each on either side, clean out your ears one, one last, last time. time, and they offer me like from like a gourd of Pepsi, like just one last sip. A gourd, no, no, like a communion goblet. They <laughs> and also with you, on a Pepsi. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Well, uh, what would you gentlemen rate this uh, fine movie? I would give this uh, three and a half helpings out of five for uh, Mr. Creosote. Mm, all right. Nathan? Out of the six scenes there are of, you know, life to death, I would give this a three. I would give it 50-50. It is right there in the middle. Um, we had made it to the middle of the film. You could probably move a lot of scenes into just half of the film and it would just be amazing and then the other half would not be so amazing but three out of six that is i think just a it's a good movie but it's got some weak spots fair enough fair enough uh if this movie was the salmon moose i would eat it every time uh so put on the kettle and get ready to be donated for scientific experimentation 10 out of 10 Jenkins, it wow. seems your mother died this morning. I love it. All in all, though, it's it's a good it is a good movie. It's, it's the most British movie yeah. I could possibly Ooh. think of. <laughs> that that you are correct. This is British to a T. Where can people uh, find us on the uh, the interwebs and the social medias and such, Drew? Well, people can always look for us up on Facebook. Just search for the Real Feels Podcast. If you are looking for us up on Twitter, search at Real Feels Pod. That's R E E L. And you can always also shoot us an email over at Real Feels Podcast at gmail.com. But more importantly, if you want to get in contact with us, folks, you can call the Tooch Line. Tooch Line. Tooch line. Gird your loins. The tooch is. The tooch is loose. And, uh, what, what's the number for <laughs> the And you can line? always call the tooch line at 661-376-0030. We'd love to hear from you. Leave a review, a suggestion for some movies. Say hello. Maybe some threatening, you know, death letters. Ooh. Who cares? We want to hear from you. Social and if the Tooch line is definitely not one of your uh, styles to get in contact with us, guys, leaving a nice four, five, five star review. Five -star review up on, <laughs> why do I keep saying four? A nice <laughs> five star review up on Apple we'll get iTunes. Better. We'll get better. Every call is wanted. <laughs> Every review is good. <sighs> Putting out those review guys gets our name out there and definitely helps to spread that real feels love for everyone. Everyone out there. Everyone in the universe. Everyone in the universe. I was going to say, you may have been supposed to be born British. Like that, it's possible. 
I, I, I'd please it up. I'd oh, definitely, I'd definitely that you would. He, he'd, he'd please that. He'd um, that. <laughs> so my Patreon uh, exclusive for Monty Python's The Meaning of Life is the Where is the Fish package for a nineteen hundred and eighty-three dollars <laughs> per host, or a total of five thousand nine hundred and forty-nine dollars to liven up your next post-social distancing dinner party. The Real Feels podcast will show up at your next event dressed as the non-binary them, the tuxedo elephant. And the Wiggly Arm Man. We'll bring Sam and Moose, dinner all mixed up, double portioned in a bucket with eggs on the top, with the usual six crates of browned <laughs> ale, and of course, a nice mm. chocolate mint. Waffer thin. Waffer thin. <laughs> so I think this about wraps up uh, Real Feels British movies or genre. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. It's it been is. our first virtual podcast so i hope the folks out there will give us a little bit of uh leeway with uh any sound quality issues because this is a first for us wouldn't you agree yes it was yes this is definitely a first for all of us but i think uh i think we're getting the hang of it i think we're doing pretty well and of course everyone out there definitely stay safe stay closed off from people who are not in your immediate and direct family wash your hands (laughs) and if you're anything like my family, either you'll die of the coronavirus or your liver will explode. So there is Whoa. that. <laughs> uh, so coming up in two weeks from this time, Mr. Nathan, you have for us the romantic drama. Ooh, I feel like you're just trying romantic to get this one out of the way, Nathan. Drama. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a good movie, but I mean, oh. yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not the Last Samurai. Let's just say that. <laughs> too many mine. <laughs> too, oh. too many mine. Too many mine. <laughs> uh, and a month from that time, I'll be bringing you guys some film noir. Uh, looking looking forward to a little film noir. But uh, gentlemen, uh, from host Jack, you've been the realist and the feelist. Oh, fishy, a fishy, a fishy, a fishy. Oh, no. <laughs> and it did go. Where did I? I did go. Every sperm is sacred. Sperm is sacred. <laughs> Every sperm is great. <laughs> if a sperm is wasted, God gets quite <laughs> irate. <laughs> <Every sperm laughs> is wanted. Um, is... All right, Jenkins. Apparently, your mother died. <laughs>